Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. From the TCL studios, it's Mackie and Judd. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. Here's fourth and goal. That's a good question. Um, keep at it. Keep trying to find things that we're good at. Uh, you know, we had, didn't score very many points tonight. Didn't score very many points last week. So, um, you know, part of it is being better on third downs. Uh, we haven't really done a good job there. Better Part of it's being better in the red zone. And we had the ball on the two-yard line, didn't score. So, uh, you know, you keep doing things like that, you're not going to score many points. There was a couple that... Uh, you know, we didn't execute well enough, and then there was a couple that probably could have called something better. And he fixed the offense, or at least he took a step in fixing the offense. What do you think that conversation was like, and where do you think it took place? On the, the firing of on the airplane. Football? You think so? On the plane. Does yep. that happen? And I'm willing to bet it was about three Chardonnays in. Is he a Chardonnay guy? Or a I red wine. Chardonnay Whatever. A red wine guy. Whatever. I'm willing to bet that it was a, a few glasses in, and he thought to himself, should I do it now? No, no. I got to do it now. Do you think he had to walk back a few aisles? Oh, yeah. And, or did he summon DeFilippo? Well, according to Courtney, he actually did it this morning when uh, when John went in for his weekly day after game. But I prefer to think the plane. Yeah. 35,000 well, feet. He, See you later. He knew. when I'm going to replay the first 10 seconds of the soundbite. And now that you listen back, because I, I, I remember hearing this this morning before the news came out and didn't really think anything. Oh, he's, he's, well, he's, just, he's just trying to speak to the media. He knew exactly what he was going to do when he answered this question. How do you go about fixing the offense? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, he knew right there. That's a good question. And if he could have said the second part, which is, I'm probably going to fire John Filippo either tonight or tomorrow morning. It really just depends on logistics and travel. Yeah. But if you're John Filippo, you know how there's moments in your, I was thinking about this, moments in your life that stand out, like just little little telling things that happen that signify in a life event or or whatever it may be. Like when a song comes on. I was driving to work this morning and I had my just my playlist on random and a song popped on from 10 years ago that reminded me of being in Mankato at the American for Vikings training camp. It was like a country song that I heard in Mankato. And I'll bet when John Filippo replays this portion of his life, he's going to remember Kirk Cousins missing a wide-open Adam Thielen streaking across the middle panicking, turning backwards, and throwing it to the running back, Latavius Murray. Going in Aaron Brooks. Compl- yes, except he was lucky that there was a player there. Did you know? <laughs> did you see? And they, they cut to Filippo and he was like, Did you uh. see last night, though? Everybody, and I blame Zim, everybody offensively was uptight as could be. I oh, think yeah. he's gotten them to, to the point. My theory about Mike is this now. If things on special teams and offense are going well, he's fine. Because defensively, he's great. Like, he's got it figured out. He's the defensive head coach. And and if Shermer is his OC and they see eye-to-eye, things are great. But the problem is, is if special teams or offense starts to go sideways, 
Zim just gets mad. He gets PO'd. And, yeah, there's no calm. And instead of and instead of empowering people to be like, it's going to be fine. I trust you, mm-hmm. or or I'll help you. He goes to his press conferences, which, which we love. But if you're an employee, you absolutely hate and starts taking shots, basically. Right. And you're right. There's no calm. Kirk Cousins is regressing right now. Like, go back to Kirk Cousins Green Bay Week Two. Mm-hmm. That guy was fantastic. Kirk Cousins Rams game. They lost. Guess yeah. what? He made a mistake, but that guy was still damn good. Mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins' last two games looks like he's playing not to screw up, and he's just clueless. He's 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 missing, and some of this is just him being him. You know, the, the people who watch film on a regular basis, the Kean Fahey's and the Pro Football Focus crew, and even Matthew Collar and Sage Rosenfels on Purple Podcast have been all over some of this stuff all season. You know, it's more than just a bad offensive line. That's actually one thing I'm really getting sick of hearing. It's not. It's a bad offensive line, but it's not. Well, if you just put. You know, if you replace the guard over here, Kirk Cousins was only pressured one of one of every four dropbacks last night. Yeah, and 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 a when he was pressured, he was like one for seven with whatever passer rating, just a god awful, almost zero passer zero. rating. Yeah. So like, you do have permission as a quarterback to make a play when you're being pressured and when your offensive line isn't perfect. So that's the that's the knock on Kirk Cousins when Adam Thielen streaks open. Not only on that one crazy panic play where he throws the ball backwards to Murray, but on the fourth and one or what fourth and in, in short distance, fourth and goal, and Kyle Rudolph is clearly covered and maybe double covered. And Diggs double and, was double covered. Yeah. And Thielen, again, over the middle, yeah. beats his man. His man falls down. So I'm trying to balance today. I think you had to make the move on Filippo because you're not going to fire Cousins. You're not going to find a new offensive line. You have to find something to spark this because as of right now, you're still you're going to make the playoffs as of right now. So you you have to try and spark something, yeah. and D. Filippo was the obvious choice. And I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know, I'm 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 not trying to exonerate him because I do think that he clearly had no grasp on how to find an answer or a pulse for this offense. But Kirk Cousins also, you have permission. You're being paid like it. You've you've performed like it earlier in there. You have permission to to pull some people out of this and bail some people out. And Absolutely, he has done yes. none of that. But None he, of that, and and he's going backwards right right now. Mm-hmm. That's that's the frightening thing is the guy that we've seen the last two games. And listen, they've lost three of four, and three of those defeats have been in tough environments to play. I get that completely, and nobody is saying that Kirk Cousins should go to Chicago, New England, and and Seattle and absolutely win. But you pay a guy that much to what? Win one or two of those games. Like mm-hmm. last night, you're down 6 nothing. It's an act of God, but you've got a chance to win. So win that game. And if they win that game, uh, Flip is not fired, and you say to yourself, okay, this team's not playing great, but that's an impressive win. And instead, in the Bears, the Patriots, and Seahawks cases, all of those teams kept you in the game. Your defense played well. And you could not win any of them. That's concerning. It goes back to, and Judd, you kind of alluded to it at the start of the segment. It goes back to the Green Bay and L.A. games early in the season. Remember those games? We came out of those games, and they didn't win either one of them. They tied one and lost the other one. But we came out of those games thinking, man, Kirk Cousins, look at him throwing the ball all over the place, and this is why they brought him in, because he's got the ability to bring them back if they're down big and keep them in a game and you know, Mike Zimmer's just got to get his defense figured out. After the Rams game, we were saying Mike Zimmer's defense just got shredded by Sean McVay. That's the issue with the team. They got to get the defense back on track. And we were good with Kirk Cousins. Yeah. We were like, all right, 
Sounds like it looks like we've got the quarterback now. And look at how they've done a complete 180 since. Yeah, it's a complete. Now the defense is fine. Dude, that that sh- that should have been the headline. The headline last night. I know that it got the, the Seattle Seahawks wound up scoring 21 points because of a pick six, and the Vikings gave them two touchdowns and gifted them scores in the fourth quarter. But that should have been the story. Holy cow! You went on the road, and you you probably forced Russell Wilson into the most embarrassing play of his football career. <laughs> the Kendrick the, pick? The last, yes. that, by the way, that should have been a touchdown by Eric Kendricks. If, yeah, if, if Eric Kendricks scores a touchdown there, the game might have been different. And he, didn't, and he didn't even need to jump for it. He could have just caught it and just took off running. It's the most embarrassing play of his career, but it's not the most but, he's ever screwed up inside the five-yard line, but fair you, to say. But, right. your, but your point is what frustrates <laughs> me. Your point is I feel like those games get done, and the defense played well. They played way too much, but they played well. And mm-hmm. I feel like those games get done, and Zimmer almost feels like, well, I did my job. My offense cost me. No, this it's your team. You're like you coach. can't, like you can't just say, well, <laughs> offense has to figure itself out because you know what? the The insinuation is my defense played well. He's he's been looking since the day he got the job. We should actually come back and talk more about this. And phone lines are open day after event line six five one six four six eight two five five. Let's talk more about, I, I think there's been a pattern since the day he got the job, Mike Zimmer, when it comes to the offense. Uh, and also, if you missed it, Dylan in Portland was maybe the all-time best meltdown vent line caller of all time. So we, we are should, concerned, though. I'm concerned. That call did not end well for, for him. No. For us, it did. For him, it didn't. So uh, so our guys behind the scenes, De- Declan cut it up, and Seth posted it to social media. Seth Auger is uh, our new social media guy here. And at the end, the transcription, the, the, the Declan put on, just says, like, inaudible screaming and emotion or something. Yes. Passionately screaming Passionately and yelling, screaming. I think that's what it was, yeah. That's a car plummeting to the uh, sea or something. Oh, so if you missed that, we'll play that for you. And, and the vent lines are open, 651-646-8255. Mike Golick Jr. in about 15 minutes. Uh, Cronin will be back in the mix later on. She's going to be reporting on SportsCenter from, from Winter Park. And Sage Rosenfels will join the show. In a- Mackie and Judd now continue. What now? What now? Let me tell you what now. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. That's a good question. Um, Keep at it. Keep trying to find things that we're good at. Uh, You know, we didn't score very many points tonight. Didn't score very many points last week. So... Um, you know, part of it is being better on third downs. Uh, we haven't really done a good job there. Better part of it's being better in the red zone. You know, we had the ball on the two yard line, didn't score. So, uh, you know, you keep doing things like that, you're not going to score many points. Mackie and Judd, TCL Broadcast Studios. Michael Jr. in about 12 minutes or so. Sage Rosenfels at the top of the hour, five o'clock, and then Purple Live tonight. Usually it's it's Collar and Cronin, and they're both traveling. Well, they're both traveling, and also Cronin's going to be live on Sports Center throughout the six o'clock. So you're going to anchor Purple Live tonight. Yes, and uh, Collar is coming back from the airport, so he's going to join at some point. Yep. Whether it's in person via phone, Cronin from the Vikings practice facility. So we got you covered until seven o'clock tonight. But since the day Mike Zimmer took this job as head coach, isn't it obvious? And you alluded to this earlier that he just wants to hire someone, an offensive coordinator, that can run that entire half of the operation without him really chiming in at all. Like, he'll sprinkle in some input, I'm sure. But he just wants to be the head defensive coach 
and hire someone who can be the head offensive coach. Yes. And he gets final say over everything. But that's pretty much what this is, right? Yes. And he's and he thought he had it in Norv Turner, didn't work. He definitely had it in Pat Shermer to the point where Pat Shermer got a job as a head coach. And it, so it did work until he left. Yep. But that's what's going to happen. But if it if it doesn't work, you fire him and you get mad. And then you probably get fired. If it does work, they get hired as head coach, and you have to do it all over again. But it's not an option to do that in, in my mind consistently. At some point in time, I mean, this season is now six six and one, but but the bottom of the conference stinks. So you have you, your chance to to make the playoffs are very good. So the option now is to and and should have been probably a month ago to get more involved and to I just I feel like the process that we see play out is offense goes sideways. Zim doesn't help, he gets PO'd. Zim starts to take shots at offense. Offense gets uptight and gets worse. As as a head coach, you are paid to manage everything. So it can't be well, uh, yeah, our play calling. We've got to run more, and that's and and again, the insinuation in that is Flip has to run more, not me. I don't like that. Yeah. And listen, 2017 was fun, but that's not the norm. Like the norm is not going to be for things to go great, and the norm is not always going to be uh, coordinators and assistant coaches yeah. who are damn near perfect. This is going to be a really insulting comparison and it's it is apples to apples but it feels a little bit like Glenn Taylor has been the owner of an NBA team for 20 or 25 years going down that path and he wants so badly to just hire someone to run it so he can just sit there and kind of do his thing now he wants to do his thing as a fan Zimmer wants to do his thing as a defensive coach but both of them just want to put someone in place you run it I'll trust you and in Glenn Taylor's case Except for Flip Saunders, he whiffs and whiffs and whiffs and whiffs. In Mike Zimmer's case, except for Pat Shermer, he's whiffed once and then whiffed twice on the bookend. Which leads me to this question. Should the Vikings have tried like hell to keep Pat Shermer here? What could they and have even, done, though? And, and maybe you add the add the um, the title of associate head coach, up, I bro- up the salary yeah. a little bit. This is a great point. I brought this up l- Last night, and I forget if it was Pelissero or somebody ages back broached this, and they're right. The one area in this league where you can game the system, assistant coaches. There's no cap. So if you go to Pat... you have to pay him like $3 million? That's the point. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Mike makes what, five? Something like that. Okay. So yes. You might have to do that. The answer to your question is, yes, you would. I guess you're paying Mike Remmers twice, three times that. So <laughs> yeah, and and you can pay him, and there's no problem there. Yeah. So it's not like oh, it's not like Kirk where you're saying, well, okay, he's an okay quarterback, but his his salary is 28 mil per season. If you paid Shermer, if you went to him and said, all right, you can take the Giants job, but it's sort of a mess right now, and we're going to pay you to keep you, and we're going to pay you as if you you were a head coach. We're going to pay you one dollar less. Than Mike makes, you could do that. Because, because I mean, listen, look what the Patriots did with Josh. McDaniels. Josh McDaniels is going to leave and go to Indianapolis. Do we know what he gets paid now? I I don't know it's what seven the numbers figures is. for sure, right? I don't know what the number is, but he was getting ready to go to Indianapolis and be the head coach there. And then I don't know if it was Robert Kraft or Bill Belichick or whoever it was, pulled him aside, sat down, had a meeting with him, and said, "Look, we want to keep you here because we love you. What's it going to take?" But here's the thing, okay? I know it's it's not about putting blame on one person. I agree with Mike Zimmer has, has been on a conference call for the last 20 minutes and uh, we'll, we'll get an update. Jonathan Harrison has been listening in on that for the last 20 minutes, but 
Teams with mediocre and bad quarterbacks bitch about coordinators. Teams with the answer at quarterback never talk about the offensive coordinator. You don't you don't hear about now you heard about the head coach in Green Bay because the defense was a train wreck and there were some things here and there, but Aaron Rodgers is putting up statistically some pretty ridiculous numbers this year. You don't ever hear about the Patriots complaining about their offensive coordinator because their quarterback elevates those guys mm. to get head coaching looks. Sure. So I hope that the John D. Filippo firing today doesn't take Kirk Cousins completely off the hook. Because it it, it, it can't just be that, well, right. I mean, the offensive coordinator's a disaster. What am I supposed to do? Oh, I don't know. How about more than twenty five yards in the first half, dude? How about yeah. not melting down? His record on Monday night football with many different coaches and coordinators and weapons and teams, two different teams, is 0-7. He has the worst Monday Night Football record of any starting quarterback in the history of Monday Night Football. And guess what? It ain't John Filippo's fault 100%. And guess what? Yeah. He's next. And, and I guarantee you... Where's he going? I guarantee, he's locked in. But, but I guarantee you, I guarantee it, in that locker room right now, there are some guys saying, you're being paid this much yeah, for this. On, well, hey, yeah. the, the boom mics were awfully sensitive last night during that game because there was there was a play, Adam Thielen, well, Stefan Diggs got picked up on camera a couple times, freaking out on the sidelines and the huddle, yeah. and Adam Thielen catches a pass, I think it was in the fourth quarter when it was a two-score game, yep. and he gets run out of bounds, but it was like a 15-yard gain, and he goes, it's been there all bleeping night. And I want to know, is he talking about the coordinator Hey, call that play. It's been there all night. I can't figure or out. Or the yeah. quarterback, throw that ball. It's been there all night. Or a combination of both. Probably both. Now, here's the here's the dilemma and the problem with Kirk, though. In fact, play, play a Kirk clip or two. I find it very interesting that when you listen to him, he's not aware of his own shortcomings. I think that's something I'm going to go back and watch as to when do I want to you know, quit on the play and and get out and scramble and try to make something off schedule. I think I have the athleticism to do that. I think that's in my game. I don't think it's something I do a lot or enough maybe. And when you have a pass rush pass rush like the Seahawks tonight getting in there and influencing the plays and coverage that was pretty, pretty sound, uh, maybe there were some times where I could have done that. That's probably my first thought coming away from it. But outside of that, I think I, you know, saw coverage and threw with accuracy and got the ball out of my hand, avoided sacks and avoided, you know, the interceptions. So there, there were positives. But um, you know, when when you don't come away with the field goal, don't come away with the touchdown on the on the four downs in the red zone, then you obviously don't have the points you want. Dude, I mean, the- it was it was his worst game of the year, and a, a proper self evaluation would have been: we scored one meaningless touchdown, and it's the worst I've played maybe since I started becoming a quarterback in the NFL. Like. How you can draw positives from that is ridiculous. It's like Kirk, just because you just because you gained yards doesn't mean that you take that as a positive. Yeah. Like who cares? It's very yeah. weird to me. Yeah, like you you're a, you are paid like a star player. You are your success is imperative to to the success of a team that has aspirations of being really good. The tires just fell off your car, and you're talking like, yeah, you know, if I just tweak this, it's gonna be fine. Yeah. No, there's Kirk. positives. I mean, like you remember Phil? Remember the movie Little Giants? Yeah. In that in the championship game, the final game where they finally the Giants the finally annexation gained a yard. of Puerto Rico. Yeah. Well, remember the moment when they finally gained a yard, and then like all the parents of the kids, they gained a yard. Right. They gained a yard. Like Kirk, we're not taking positive just because you gained some yards in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Like, and on. whatever stats you put up in the fourth quarter don't count. Correct. They don't count. And there are some things now that met like QBR. Takes into context those things, and he'll get punished for that. Six five one six four six eight two five five. Lou in Oakdale. Yeah, hi guys. 
I, the thing that's frustrating is watching this offensive line. And the thing is, you, you, you've got a, two teams that we've recently played that have turned it around on their offensive line. Seattle's turned around their offensive line very quickly in the last two years. And so has New Orleans has turned it around very quickly in the last two years. And yet, the Vikings can't seem to find a way to turn this offensive line around. I don't know what's going on with this, so that they don't have the right players there for some reason to do turn this around on the offensive line. Yeah, I don't think Kirk Cousins trusts his offensive line, by the way, either. And that, so that's no, my, he my, doesn't. My, my opinion, Lou. Thank you for the phone call. But Pro Football Focus put out they put out a post game email. They send it out. It's just like different nuggets from the game. He was only pressured on one in every four dropbacks last night. So if he was seeing ghosts, that's on him. Dude, it was he wasn't running for his life. There was a few plays where, yeah, he was running for his life. Definitely. But that happens to everyone. Russell Wilson runs for his life every other play. Well, that's the thing with Seattle is, I mean, yeah, Seattle's offensive line has gotten better, but it also helps them that they have a quarterback who can escape and which cousins, make, extend extend plays and which make cousins things happen. Claims, and he's one of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL. Which Kirk claims he can do. The, the stat I saw today was that Cousins had more time to throw in the first half of that game, an average of 3.7 seconds from snap to release on his passes per NFL next-gen stats. Then he had all season, it was 2.69, but he went 4 for 8 for 27 yards in the first two quarters. So he actually did have time. Yeah, man. And it was it was a fair increase of time. Yeah. Well, it, we get it. The offensive line's not good, but I think to your point, and where I agree is, you don't pay a guy like this to be like, well, it's too bad. Now, now, do I think that they could help him out? Absolutely. But you also, I don't like the fact that he seems oblivious to to his own issues in this problem. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna bring Mike Golick Jr. into the mix next. But from now through the next couple hours, we will continue to take your Vetline phone calls. Vetline was epic last night. Two hours. And thank you to all of you guys who watched Manny and Judd and and watched on YouTube and Twitter slash Periscope. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel, 1500 ESPN Twin Cities and Facebook. Let's actually play the best call from the night, maybe the best call in in the season event line for Mike Golick Jr. when we come back. And Sage Rosenfels at the top of the hour. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Guys, I thought we were in a hurry. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. We're about to make a whole lot of people around here real happy. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios on 1500 ESPN. Credit Seattle. I thought defensively they played very well tonight. Um, They were aggressive and fast and uh, did a nice job not allowing us to... um, maintain really much consistency on offense most of the night uh what is the key you know if i had the answer i would be probably the, the best quarterback in the league and uh probably be standing up here after a victory so uh you know if you guys have the secret let me know but um when when if you give up on plays too often or too early your coach is the next day to be looking at you saying what are you doing you know you need to trust the protection you need to go through the read you can't just put on the play we designed and, and that works on the flip side, you know, plays aren't always going to be there. It, defenses cover stuff, and, and protection can be loose, and things happen. So finding that balance is something you work on. And, and uh, uh, you know, let's be clear, there are a lot of quarterbacks who really can't move well. And so their game is not to run out of the pocket, and they still find a way to be very prolific. So Okay, he keeps referring to how, like, mobile he is. I don't, I don't, I don't pick that up when I watch Kirk Cousins. I don't think, oh, yeah, that guy's he can barely outrun defensive tackles. 
What is? Does he think he's Cam Newton or something? He seems to. Yeah. I don't get it. <laughs> Lamar Jackson. That's who he thinks he is. He does, apparently. Lamar Jackson. Mike Golick, speaking of guys who think they're faster than they really are, Mike Golick Jr. joins us every week during football season. What's going on, Jr.? I can assure you, I know I'm as slow as I am. In <laughs> fact, I usually hedge my bet the other way. I would rather be someone be surprised by what little athletic ability I can still display than ever overestimate me because it is underwhelming, to say the least. It's probably the, the right way to go about it. So uh, we host on this radio station a post-game call-in show called Vikings Vetline right after the game is over. And as you can imagine, last night got a little emotional for some callers. It was a two-hour Vetline session, and these guys took, I don't know, three dozen phone calls. And we want to play you a brief clip here. This is Dylan in Portland. Listen to Dylan as he builds up frustration. He sounds like a young Vikings fan. This was legitimate. This was live. This was unscripted. This was a guy calling in as a sad Vikings fan. And and Golik Jr., try to answer the question of, have you ever been this devastated by anything in your life? Okay? This this builds up. All right, guys. I'm not going to curse, but I'm it, needed, okay? Don't curse. I gave them the benefit of the doubt all the way up to this part of the season. And if history repeats itself like it usually does, I'm in analytics, and the numbers are usually correct through a, you know, a certain amount of time. Mike Zimmer has a good season an okay slash losing season, a good season, and the okay season. Okay, this is on the downfall of our season. This is getting crazy right now. Mike Filippo is probably one of the worst play callers in the history of the NFL. This is crazy. Kirk Cousins is missing wide open little slants that can get us the first downs for whatever reason. I've never been this heated in my life, and I love the Vikings, but I need to vent right now. This is getting crazy because we need to make a push. And if it wasn't for the Panthers losing, the Redskins and the Packers losing, we wouldn't even be in this thing. But this doesn't even matter because everyone's losing. This is, this is one of the worst seasons of the Vikings history. We give somebody $84 million of guaranteed money, and we're thinking this guy's going to come in and win us a Super Bowl or give us that push. I will take Kate Keenum. Right now, I will give a first-round draft pick to get Case Keenum back on our team because he doesn't miss the little dink and dunk passes. Kirk Cousins is missing those, and he's taking the sacks and throwing the ball long, and we are not together right now. I'm so sorry, guys, but this is not the Vikings team that I wanted to watch before the stream oh. <laughs> We're worried about him, Golick. Has anyone checked on him today? We don't know where he is. Oh, I just I want him to know that people care about him. Like the rest of the analytics community cares about him. I care about him. Lest you know what? Lest we ever thought that people that surround themselves with sports analytics were cold, unfeeling monsters. No, they are people that care so deeply that they're looking for any statistic that might tell the story about why this could possibly be okay for the Vikings, and he still can't find an answer. Someone help that poor guy. <laughs> When's the last time that you were that passionate about a team? Oh, man, you know what? Honestly, when I was growing up, when I was a kid, probably in middle school, I think is when I hit peak fandom of Notre Dame. Like, when I would let them ruin my weekend. 
and I vowed once I, you know, once I went and played through that I would never let Notre Dame have that kind of control over me again because I'd been on the inside and because games had mattered to me as much as they ever should when I was playing in them and could affect the outcome. And yet I swear on this, a couple years ago when Notre Dame opened up the season against Texas and we had that quarterback competition between Deshaun Kaiser and Malik Zaire and they went in and they rotated them a few series and it was clear Deshaun was the one that should have been playing and ultimately that game goes to about three overtimes and we end up losing and I had sent myself home to watch in a hotel room by myself. I was on the road in Charlotte doing some work for ESPN and I knew I couldn't be around other people and I ended up throwing the hotel remote so hard at the wall I shattered it into a thousand pieces when that team finally went across the goal line and ended up beating us. So to answer your question, I'm still letting things like that affect me because I'm a child. Yeah, no, that's no, that's fair. That, that's fair. Did you pay for it? Uh, no, I, yeah, you know, I hid the remote so they would never find it and I made sure that they could never trace back to me. <laughs> So as you as you watch, you know whatever snippets of the Vikings, and they've they've pretty much lost to every team that you you'd consider a litmus test. Do you think they have a coordinator problem? Do you think they have a Kirk Cousins problem or some other problem? I think they have a protection problem. Like I think that it kind of begins and ends there. Like a few seasons ago, when it was Sam, you know, when it was Sam Bradford at the helm. At that point, I remember saying you can't fault them because you can't throw more than five yards down the field when you're getting hit every other play, and it's not that bad, but I saw the next-gen stat in the NFL, speaking of the analytics guys, that Kirk Cousins has thrown more passes with a defender within two yards of him than any quarterback in the NFL this year, and the results have been mixed when you do something that many times. I think it was 161 pass attempts under that kind of duress. Things tend to go awry, and... uh, it, to me, that's where it starts. Like, obviously, listen, you make a coordinator change because there were clear areas where if you're going that late into the game without the ability to target your two best options at that point, that's an issue, even against a very good defense. And especially to not adjust when Frank Clark is a human one-man third-down wrecking crew during the course of that game, that indicates you probably need to go in some direction. And it's been trending that way for a while. But I think football is still pretty simple. When you can't block and protect up front, life gets hard and everything else becomes some sort of exercise in window dressing and trying to essentially put lipstick on a pig. So, Mike, as a guy who played the game, tell me this as well. Because Cousins' play has definitely regressed. And Flip's play calling, while not great, uh, to me last night was a mess and pretty much was a mess uh, for the past two games. Zimmer has a tendency when, when things don't go well uh, on offense or special teams to start to try and sort of he starts taking public shots and he almost distances himself and it's it's not as if it's his offense it's as if his offensive coordinator or quarterback is not do, doing their job as someone who played the sport what do you think of the fact that when you do that as a coach it seems to me to make uh, people either call plays or play uptight as well. Yeah, well, I think from a player's side, because, listen, everyone, you also have to acknowledge that at the NFL level, you're all professionals, so those kind of feelings are always there. They get a little more heightened when you see things like this happen, but everyone kind of operates, I think, especially the guys in the bottom level. That's why I don't feel a ton of sympathy for saying Kirk Cousins might feel some pressure, because that's the pressure that 90% of the roster plays with, not knowing if you're going to have your job the next week and always playing with that in mind. So that's the driving force for most of the guys in the NFL. That shouldn't really phase you as much, but you do want to see accountability from up top. And I just had this conversation about Bill Belichick in that last play in the Patriots game where they lost to the Dolphins. 
Bill Belichick coming out and saying, well, you know, we need to play better situationally, but you know, there was the, still the option they could have thrown it from that point. They weren't going to throw it from their own 31. Stand up there and say, I shouldn't have had Rob Gronkowski in the game. And we can move on with it because at the very least, that base level accountability is what I as a player always wanted to see from the guys in my position room, from my position coach, all the way on up to the head man. And I don't think that's a large price to ask of anyone. Yeah. You got to credit, by the way, Rob Gronkowski sprinting all the way to the goal line and diving all out to try and oh. save that game the other day. So, so what, what, when, when a play is, is running in, in that direction, let's say it's an interception, for instance, and, you know, college pro, whatever, you're a lineman. How hard do offensive players really try to make tackles? I mean, what, what's kind of the range of what we see when we're watching? I'm going to tell you God's honest truth on any interception. I had one thought in my mind, don't get blown up. It was just turn around and don't be one of the guys that gets taken out by these defensive linemen. And this was the real veteran play and the way it was always explained to me. Just get in the frame, especially as an offensive lineman. No one expects you to make the tackle on an interception. You just got to get in the frame so they can say, see, that's the kind of effort we need. Look at Golak humping down there trying to get it. Knowing full well that in the back of my mind, I got my head in a swivel just trying to make sure that I don't get decleated by guys that are bigger, faster, and stronger than me across the board on the field. So that was always my mindset in those plays. And there are plays you go through half speed and shorts and Friday and Saturday walkthroughs in most of these cases. You never actually plan on it. You could see the surprise of most Patriot defenders in that instance looking around going, oh, oh, we're really doing this. Like, they're actually going to try on this and not just, you know, fumble it absentmindedly and the game will be over. So it was the shock of a play that you never anticipate actually going through. Okay, sir, we did a a poll on the show yesterday, and it's very important because this is a poll in which you can definitely or will have an opinion. We couldn't decide on the best drink to have with brunch. The four choices we uh, threw out there were Bloody Mary's, Mimosos, Tito's and Sprite, not me, don't ask me, and beer. 46% said Bloody's, 27% said Mimosos, 20% said beer, which was my choice, and 7% said Tito's and Sprite. When you're having brunch, what do you get? When I'm having brunch, I usually go the mimosa route as a reformed fat. I suffer from acid reflux. I have my whole life, and Mm. tomato juice has just never sat well with me, so I am not one that gets to partake in the adventure that is the Bloody Mary bar stuffing pizza and chicken wings and all sorts of meat products into my brunch drink. I have been firmly on the mimosa train for a while now. Wait, as a, as a fellow acid reflux guy, you... Or, you, you, <laughs> you Notre you, Dame guys? You, your acid reflux we really guys? Are, we have a lot in common, really. Like brothers. We, you turn to orange juice to help your acid reflux? Oh, listen, at some point, you got to still understand that everything is going to come with some sort of a price, but tomato juice is the extreme. That's essentially like just chugging liquid meat and the spicy tomato-based liquid meat, to me, is a little more of an affront to my reflux than the orange juice, or at least that's what I've convinced myself at this point. Plus, mimosas are just delicious. Why can't we just embrace beer all day long? I've done it. Some of us fall asleep after, like, I have a clock. When I drink beer, I'm on a three-hour clock. Really? Yep. I need to well, wait breakfast until breakfast. Beer is delicious. Late afternoon is my is my beer time. Sometimes beer in the morning will just make me bloated too. Yeah, oh, you know, yeah exactly. You know, I, go up the pants size. You get gassy and bloaty, guys. I mean, it's not always what you want to be. You want to be your best self. You go really like you wear sweatpants. Go up a pant size. Come on. I'm always wearing sweatpants. If you blow through the sweatpants, then you've really shown poorly for yourself. <laughs> and that's the life that I've lived before, and it's not one I want to go back to. Yeah. I'm willing to accept that shame. Yep. Uh, he is uh, <laughs> he's Mike Golick Jr., and you can listen to him on the radio very early in the morning here on 1500 ESPN. Pray for our Vikings, Golick. See ya. Thoughts and prayers coming your wise way. Take care. All right. Appreciate it. I'm worried about Dylan.
the end of this. Can we? Can one of you guys just get us like the last fifteen <laughs> seconds of that Dylan call, so we can just have it that, yeah. have it forever? Where oh, he yeah. where he goes? He was passionate for the first minute and fired up, and then he all of a sudden just started shrieking. Did he hang up? We don't know what happened. The call just sort of it dropped just, off. Just dropped. Yeah. It just dropped. It sort of just dropped off into But it's perfect because he's like, hole it was in. I need to vent. And then it got good. But then it just became like, are you all right? Are you even there anymore? <laughs> and, and you know what? If you're a Vikings fan, all you can do is laugh at this point. All you can do is laugh. And it's just another theme or another string or another uh, feather in the same cap. Let's talk a little bit more about the pattern here when we get back. Very quickly, I'm I'm wondering if we should have like some sort of an award for the call of the year for Ventline this year at the end of the season. I mean, we've Dylan, had some doozies this season. This season, Dylan is number one in my book for now. We had a guy. We definitely had a guy drop an Effenheimer last night. Yeah, and because so many people were streaming on digital platforms, <laughs> no people were like, "You guys didn't dump it." Well, you you guys both dove for the dump button, but realistic, Randy had a pretty us. good one a couple of weeks ago yeah. after the Bears game. Actually, good reminder. Starting today, you can find Realistic Randy is doing rants on our YouTube page starting oh, really? starting today. YouTube.com slash 1500 ESPN Twin Cities. Yeah, our guy Realistic Randy in Oakland who calls into our show and Vikings Ventline. You can find his rants now starting this week on our YouTube page. So go check that out. Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studio. Sage Rosenfels in about 15 minutes. People, people, I have an important announcement. Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout Whoa. on 1500 ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Please keep working during the following announcement. Mackie and Judd are back on 1500 ESPN. All right, let's check traffic here very quickly here. 94 eastbound, we got a crash in Minneapolis between uh, exit 230 and 394. So right there uh, near downtown, causing about a four-minute delay. And also Highway 100 northbound in St. Louis Park. Judd Zolgat stopping grounds. Got a crash between Excelsior and 30, West 36th Street, causing a seven-minute delay. Ooh, that's going to be tough for you to hang around. Right in the way, bunnies. Pat, there are, there are many happy faces of Judd. One would be... A bottle of Yingling slides in front of him. <laughs> Another might be he's in Madison Square Garden for a Rangers game or sorry, Fenway for a Red Sox game. But number one is when coaches get fired in the Twin Cities. He is giddy Judd all day long. Especially after he's called for it, yeah. uh, probably before anybody in town. He was calling for it uh, publicly before the end of the game last night. So That's exactly right. It was, uh, it was, uh, this is, uh, this is pretty amazing, though, that you could call, you could bring in this guy as though he was some great big coup for you and you wouldn't give him a season. <laughs> it's incredible. I think it does uh, speak to the fact that they're, uh, you know, they, they, if this year goes south, they don't know where they're headed, I think. Uh, so I, I, that must be what it speaks to, because I'm a little surprised you wouldn't give the guy a year, even if there have been some flaws here. You're underestimating Zim, though. Zim got the red <laughs> ass, and once he gets that you're done pat 
Is there any chance Zim gets fired and we bring back Flip as that promising young coach <laughs> that we thought he was going to be, that uh, we were going to lose him to uh, some other teams because he was obviously going to be a head coach somewhere next year after a month of this season. Yeah, somewhere in the write-that-down prediction annals, I believe. Uh, I believe I have Flip as a one-and-done, but one-and-done like <laughs> well, as a head a, coach we next year. We won't worry about that. Is that, a, is that a single or not? Is we'll it, have to go check the phrasing, Pat. We'll have to go check. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's uh, pretty incredible, man. Alive, this is it. You know, we kind of look at this as the organization. Well, yeah, I mean, the Wild is fairly stable. The Timberwolves are chaos. The Twins, to some degree, are chaos. This is, but these guys, uh, just when you think maybe they, oh, they kind of got her straightened out. They got their new stadium. They got their quarterback. They got their defense. They can be as chaotic as the uh, as the next guys, uh, in a in a heartbeat. It's amazing. Yeah, they also we, it, it's it's the same pattern at least since '98. Maybe even I'd have to go see what they did after they lost uh, in the late '80s. When they get to an NFC Championship game, and they get their heart tripped out of their chest, no matter what, the next season is a buzzkill. Uh, yeah, that's uh, probably true. I mean, how, how could you look at that team? going into this year and not think they're going to be really good. I mean, they had more offensive weapons, and now they had a quarterback. And, uh, okay, the offensive line was shaky, but it was shaky last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, the defense was great, and now they brought in Sheldon Robert Richardson, and they were going to be even better. How I I don't care what anybody says. If they anticipated 6-6-1, six, six, and one, they're lying. There's no, there's no way you could uh, anticipate this level of mediocrity unless you just looked at the pattern and said this is what happens. So, but that that offense last night, Pat, was absolutely oh. atrocious. I mean, that was off the charts brutal. That was uh, Steve Loney bad. <laughs> that was, and he had two jobs. Casey in two oh five with uh, in in oh five with no offensive coordinator. You know, Pat, I'm just I'm just amazed, and I've talked to Phil and Judd about this earlier in the show already, that you go back to week four when they lost to the Rams, and the the narrative after that game was, you know, oh my God, what has happened to Mike Zimmer's defense? It just got <laughs> shredded by Sean McVay. But yeah. man, Kirk Cousins, he looked great. He threw for 400 yards, and at least if Zimmer's defense is struggling, at least they, got the, they found their quarterback now, and this offense is going to be lights out. And they've done a complete 180 since then. How now. about his noble comeback effort in Green Bay? Yeah. Dead, dead as doornails. And he brings him back and gets him a tie and should have gotten him a win if it wasn't for that horrible field goal kicker that we had. Uh, yeah, it is, uh, it is astounding. They have definitely gotten worse. Uh, that's for sure. Yeah. And Zim didn't even do a, a stand up or press conference today, huh? Did a did a conference call? Yeah. And we actually, uh, Jonathan's been clipping some of those, so we're we're gonna play some of that in the five for the audience. But it's uh, he's he he wants so badly to just hire someone to run fifty percent of the deal, so he can be a defensive head coach. It's and, and he found that in Pat Shermer. He found that in Pat Shermer. And uh, now he's going to be on his fourth. And by the way, Pat Shermer might be available soon, although the uh, Giants now the last two weeks have, uh, have uh, won a couple of games. But, uh, yeah, he's a loose cannon. He's a, he's a, he's a, you know, he's a, he, 
we all thought he was kind of this hard-nosed, old-time, crusty coach who could take it. He's as emotional and goofy as Tice was. He's Ticey. Yeah. He's Tice all over again. Throwing the flag. Throwing the challenge flag, right? What? I said throwing the challenge flag. (laughs) Yes. Coach Flaggy. Yeah, well, and, uh, yeah, it's amazing. Say, can I say something to you two guys? Yeah, sure. You know, today the uh, Hall of Fame, uh, the uh, Spink Award voting came in, and Jason Stark won on a landslide. And uh, once again, I got buried in the voting. And I blame you guys because Jason Stark was basically unemployed except for you guys, right? The only thing he had going for him was an appearance. On Judd and Mackey. Am I right? Or Pretty Mackie much. And Judd? It's Mackey and Judd. Yeah. <laughs> That's all he had going for him. You guys basically revitalized his career and made him a viable candidate, and I blame you for this today. It's all our fault? He would have been unemployed. Are you coming back now? Are, unemployed and forgotten. Are, are you going to be on the ballot for a third consecutive God, I year? I hope not. Tell him you, you don't want to be. Tell him you're done with him. Who needs the humiliation of uh, you know who you could be, Patrick? Beat again, uh, Harold Baines. Harold, like the fourth time around, they'll put you in. You guys don't know who Harold Stassen was, but he was a Minnesotan who ran for president every year for like thirty years. (laughs) And uh, and and, uh, yeah, I'm the Harold Stassen of the Spink Award. I I don't need it. I don't need the humiliation. I'm getting all these condolence messages. I. I don't give a damn. Just leave me alone. I always thought you were more of the Susan Lucci of... <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. Well, I got the man boobs, but behind <laughs> Pat, Nelson Cruz is uh, apparently choosing between the Rays and the Twins. Your thoughts on, on near 40-year-old slugger Nelson Cruz? You know what? Verducci, Verducci was doing a thing last night on uh, how good his swing still is on MLB. I was clicking around, and uh, boy, he can still hit. I, I guess I would. Uh, I guess I'd bring him in. You know, thirty-eight. What do you got to give him? Two years? I don't know. I'd, I'd, maybe maybe just give him a year. I don't know. Well, if he wants two years, that'd be a tough sell for. I think the Twins would do it on a one-year deal, and maybe that's. But with the either yeah, well, way, I would I would do it if for you're sure. Bidding with the Tampa's, it's hard to lose a bidding war with Tampa, right? <laughs> you know, you know. But I I I guess I'd take him. But do they need another right-handed hitter? I don't know. Was I, was yeah. Tampa's grand plan to clear out? Let's get rid of CJ Crone to clear out room for Nelson Cruz, and the Twins get both. Maybe that's what they were planning. Yeah, but what? Uh, well, yeah, why would Tampa get rid of Crone for less money and then? And then bring in Nelson Cruz. I, I mean, Cruz has got to get ten or twelve, doesn't he? Yeah, I don't know. He's, he doesn't have a position, so maybe he's. Yeah, I know. But 10. Look at. I mean, he. What the hell? He's, he's averaged forty-one mm-hmm. home runs and a hundred and some. Are, didn't he? What did he drive in last year? He drove ninety-seven. Yeah, and the year before that, the one hundred nineteen league, right? Yeah. I don't know. I'd take a shot. And what the hell? It's better than what they got now. Can he lead off? Does he get any walks? <laughs> you know what? On base? Hey, you know what, Pat? If if Nelson Cruz plays for seven or eight more years, he might get in the Hall of Fame. You know. Uh, well, I I think he's already more of a Hall of Famer than Harold. So, you know, so uh, that's that's another issue that uh, is, uh, is has put the Baseball Writers Association in a bad way for voting forever. Now that uh, now that we've let Harold in, my God, it's yeah. unbelievable. Pat, well, John and I talked about it today on another killer. Uh, what's the name of that show? John? Unchained. Right. Unchained. Royce right. and Judd. Unchained. Unchained. It's terrific. Unhinged. Uh, listen in. All right, Pat, we'll talk tomorrow. See See ya. All right, uh, yep, uh, Sage Rosenfels when we come back.
The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. So long, losers! On 1500 ESPN.